no, 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 no. Three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 473. I did that intro multiple times. I had to kind of remember how to do the old, like, oh my, I don't really know that I nailed it. Doing the best I can. Um, I, <laughs> Dude, how about the NFL? Are you kidding me? This is the most incredible, fun, exciting NFL offseason I've ever experienced in my entire life. I'm sure it's probably the most insane offseason in NFL history. I, like... It's ruining all my plans. I was going to do predictions versus reality. I'm like, I'll do Like, I I figure, hey, it's the offseason. There's not going to be very much to talk about, so I better do season recaps, and I will get to them at some point, but we are, like, it's just, like, so fun. News story after news story after news story keeps breaking. Trades, quarterback movement, massive superstars changing teams, Russell Wilson at Denver, Tom Brady coming out of retirement. Khalil Mack, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill now, Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz. I could go on and on and on. The AFC West is unbelievably stacked. The the Chiefs went from the best team to the worst team in that division. I'm just... Guys, it's been so much fun. If you aren't enjoying this year's NFL offseason, you're not a football fan. I don't know how, like... It's been chaotic and crazy and and just a blast. And I... uh, Gosh, we're not doing predictions versus reality to the reality today. I thought we would, but I, I like I I want to save that content for when there's nothing else going on. We'll do that in film analysis this offseason. And right now, um there's a I, I an absolute metric. I don't want to drop an F bomb on this show. I'm trying to like not like I cuss on my other show, but not this one. Uh just a, an absolute massive amount of stuff going on, and it's crazy. Um I hope we're doing very well. I've had a fun week, I feel rested. Uh, In the last two days, I got asked if I was over 30 yesterday, and then today I got asked if I was in college. So I I have no idea how old I look or I seem. I don't know. Uh, Let's jump into (laughs) the biggest news story of today pretty clearly. The Miami Dolphins have traded for receiver Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill wanted a big new contract, so Kansas City said, "Ah, let's get rid of this guy. Let's trade him. Uh, They got a lot for him. Kansas City gets a 2022 first-round pick, a 2022 Second round pick, a 2022 fourth round pick, and next year in 2023, a fourth round pick and a sixth round pick. Uh, I think a lot of other people were in the market for Tyreek Hill, actually, sounds like. And Miami said, we're just going to end this right now, make a big offer you cannot refuse and win the deal and get the player. Uh, Miami gets Tyreek Hill, the, I mean, I already thought they had a really explosive receiver, Jalen Waddell. Now they get another guy with a very similar skill set, but probably even better, Tyreek Hill. They gave him a four-year, $120 million contract. I got a couple thoughts. Like, oh boy, this is crazy. Um, first of all, during the NFL playoffs, I told everyone to enjoy this trio in Kansas City. You know, tight end Ty, uh, Travis Kelsey, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, receiver Tyreek Hill. I said... We don't know how long they're going to play together. They are really fun to watch. Uh, I guess they were really fun to watch. That's now over. And that era in Kansas City is over. And it's it's sad. But let's be clear. I I tried to tell you, enjoy it while it lasts. Because we do not know how long these three guys are going to play together. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't expect it would end so soon. I, I was like, wow, it's already over. 
I kind of accidentally rung the bell a little bit early, and I, I ended up kind of foretelling the future. Like, I didn't mean to foreshadow anything, but I, I'm shocked. I did not expect this trade to happen now. I thought if Kansas City moved on from Tyreek Hill, it'd be a while because they built their team around these three guys, and Tyreek Hill has won them games pretty much by himself. So to see him leave, um, it's it's not insane. They got a lot for him, but it's a massive surprise to me. If you're not surprised, I good for you. I, I was shocked. I love this for Miami, though. Miami is removing... Any and all excuses that anyone can make for their starting quarterback, their young quarterback, to a tongue of a low. He's going into his third year in the NFL, and they're like, look, we, we are going to give you a great head coach who knows offense. They're going to run the ball well. They have an incredible dynamic duo at receiver, Jalen Waddle, and now Tyreek Hill. It's terrifying speed. They're the fastest receiver duo probably ever in NFL history. Like, I'm, and I'm not being exaggerating. I'm exaggeratory maybe is the right way to say that. I'm not exaggerating. Like, I, I don't know how you keep up with this team speed-wise. Like, the way... And Tyreek Hill, similar to Jalen Waddle, can also run the ball. They use him on sweeps and reverses. And, um, gosh, man, it is going to be such a fun offense to watch in Miami. And I absolutely love what their new head coach, Mike McDaniels, is building. He is quickly becoming... Uh, my, one of my, gosh, he might be my favorite NFL head coach right now. He's so much fun to listen to talk and is quirky and very much authentically himself. And we'll see how long that lasts, but I hope the rest of his career, he just answers questions honestly. And he's good at actually better than people realize at deflecting questions where you'll ask him a tough question. He won't really answer your question, but it'll give you a really interesting answer. That's fun to listen to anyway. So I just think he's the most, he's like, He's like Mike Leach if Mike Leach wasn't crazy, right? He avoids answering your question with another interesting answer that's fun and entertaining, but also not a problem. And I, I love the guy. And Mike McDaniels can actually coach. He's like a really good offensive coach. We'll see if he can be a head coach, but my gosh, uh, I'm excited. Tyreek Hill is 28 years old. It makes sense why Kansas City let him go. Um, he's still in his prime but how long is that going to last? And Miami made an offer. They just couldn't refuse. Plus, they're like, we, we're not going to pay you top receiver money in the NFL. And they got a lot for him. Now, Kansas City has won the division six years in a row. I'm pretty sure that's going to come to an end this very next year. Uh, right now, today, if you look at the AFC West, Casey is the worst team in that division, <laughs> and which is an incredible change of events. I mean... Denver adds Russell Wilson, um, the Chargers add Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson, uh, and they, they already have a superstar young quarterback, Justin Herbert. The Raiders, who made the playoffs last year, I thought were dead in the water. Then they got even better. They trade for Devontae Adams. They make move after move. And I, I just, uh, gosh, they added someone else. I'm blanking on it right now. Um, I just, like, it's unbelievable what's going on in the NFL. And... It feels like the AFC West was like, we are tired of getting our butts kicked by Kansas City. It's time to respond. And they all did. And then on top of that, Kansas City lost some key people. And they're, they're down bad right now. Um, now, Tyreek Hill is the fastest player in the NFL. He's crazy explosive. I already thought they had the, one of the most explosive players in the NFL, Jalen Waddell. I don't really know how you guard them. How do, how do you guard the Miami Dolphins? I don't know. And I just, I'm, I'm so hopeful. I, I think it's, what the talent they're putting around Tua in Miami reminds me of 
Alabama actually in college where I'm like, he's going to have the best athletes around him. And last time that happened to him in college, he was pretty dang good. So, um, look, I, I really like that we're removing any excuses from Tua. If Tua does bad with the offense they're putting around him in Miami, it, it, it speaks for itself. He's not good enough because what they're building is a really good offense that's really entertaining and exciting and explosive. And I just cannot say enough how absolutely excited I am to watch the Miami Dolphins this fall. It's going to be a blast. And uh, you guys know I love Tua. I believe in Tua. I try to be honest about Tua and and point out his shortcomings and talk about where he's failed. But um, there's a chance my favorite quarterback in the NFL, guy from Hawaii, has a great year this year and has kind of a breakout year and looks like a star. And I'm I'm so hoping that happens. And uh, oh my gosh, man, what what an incredible turn of events. I just, I'm having so much fun. So let's now talk about Matt Ryan. I'm a little late to this. I'm kind of glad I didn't react on Monday when it happened. It was a little bit frustrating. I, I just kind of took a break from trying to keep up with the news. I, cause I, this time of year, you make content. I made an episode on Monday about what are the Saints going to do at quarterback? What are the Falcons going to do? What are the, what's going to happen with this guy, that guy, the Colts? And then it all was aged out like, the like literally like an hour after I put that episode out ruined. And I'm like, well, I'm going to wait for a couple days, see what happens. And, and then maybe make another episode. Cause I'm just really getting burned out on the whole cycle of I say something. And then the rug gets pulled out from under my feet. Like literally a couple minutes later, I'm like, well, all right, but that, that was fun. I'm glad I worked really hard on that episode that totally was immediately irrelevant, like fun. So here we are. Uh, a, a couple days late, but I, I really, I don't know. I'm actually glad I sat on it because I've really thought about this and tried to understand how I feel. And I think if I reacted immediately, I would have been like, ah, I left this and this and this out. So the Indianapolis Colts have traded for quarterback Matt Ryan. Uh, Indy gave the Atlanta Falcons a 2022 third round pick for Matt Ryan. And the Colts now have a new starting quarterback. And uh, he's, he's going to be 37 this fall. It's not like he's a spring chicken, which I have no idea where that <laughs> – where does that come from? I don't know, but I've heard that my whole life, so that's, we're going to say it, I guess. Um, well, gosh, what if that's offensive? I don't – there's no way spring chicken is offensive. But I, it's like, man, I, he's not a young guy. He's an old quarterback near the end of his career. And I, I think it's a better deal for Matt Ryan than it is for Indy, actually. Uh, Indy's glad because they've got a quarterback they can trust week one next year, and he's better than Carson was probably, and they didn't make the playoffs last year largely because Carson played bad in the last couple games of the year. So Indy, I'm sure, feels good. They're like, yeah, we got an answer that for next year is going to be better than what we had last year. Fair enough. But I think it's better for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was wasting years of his life in Atlanta, going nowhere fast on a rebuilding football team so for him, going to Indy is a very much welcome upgrade. Uh, having a better team around him and a, you know, a team that's more functional and more set up to win. But for the Colts, this isn't a long-term solution. I, it's another veteran quarterback. And I guess he's better than no quarterback. And Matt Ryan, I'm not trying to like be negative or bad, say the guy's bad, but... This is not Matthew Stafford going to the L.A. Rams. I mean, the Colts are still a few moves away from really being a Super Bowl contender and likely because they don't really have a first-round pick and 
They don't have left tackle. They have no wide receiver. One, or sorry, they have, they have Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, they have Paris Campbell, but I don't know that Paris Campbell is really a true number two receiver. So they need another receiver or two. Don't have a lot of draft picks. I mean, I, I think the Colts are a couple of years away from really becoming the juggernaut Super Bowl contender they had potential to be going into the last couple of years. And Matt Ryan might miss the window. Like Matt Ryan's basically a rental, kind of like Philip Rivers was, where it's a guy at the end of his career that I don't know is really the final piece of the puzzle they need. Like, can Matt Ryan elevate a team with some holes to a Super Bowl? I don't think so. And so I'm like, well, I'm glad the Colts have a quarterback that's better than nothing. I'm really surprised that they didn't make a move to get somebody younger. Somebody like, you could have built around Jordan Love. And then you've got, you know that seven years from now, Jordan Love is good. He's your starting quarterback. Matt Ryan, there's no guarantee five years from now he's their quarterback. And, I mean, kind of a fun game to play, honestly, is who will last longer? Who's going to be on their new team longer? Is Matt Ryan going to be in Indianapolis longer or will Carson Wentz be in Washington longer commander Carson might outlast Matt Ryan and that'd be kind of awkward if if Carson Wentz goes to Washington and does well and Matt Ryan in a couple years is washed up and out of the league you're like wow the Colts really just gave up on Carson and uh now have nothing uh, again so it's we're, we're into a weird cycle where the Colts just keep committing to veteran quarterbacks and, and it keeps not ending up being a long-term solution for them. Now, Matt Ryan could shock me. I'm open to the possibility that he could play really well into his 40s. Quarterbacks are playing longer than ever. Um, But Matt Ryan, unlike Aaron Rodgers, unlike Tom Brady, has never struck me as a guy who takes, like, incredibly great care of his body. He's totally committed and he, in the last couple of years, now maybe that's because Atlanta hasn't been very good and maybe the offensive line a couple of years ago was bad and they're like maybe Matt Ryan, partially why it looked like he was getting worse was because the team around him wasn't very good. Like I'm open to that being possible. Um, it's not that he's bad that I don't feel like amazing about this trade. It's that he's old. And I'm like, well, I really would have rather seen the Colts get a younger quarterback. I just, I can't say that enough. I, I thought that, Someone like Baker Mayfield, who, gosh, no one seems to want. That's a whole can of worms there. Jordan Love. I mean, somebody with more of a future that could end up having potential to being your long-term solution. I thought that was more enticing for a team that I think is still a few years away from a Super Bowl. But I want to give Matt Ryan some respect, though, too. I mean, he's a guy who's been in the NFL for 14 years. He is the best quarterback in the history of the Atlanta Falcons. He's thrown for 59,000 735 yards, that's eighth all-time in passing yards. Um, 367 touchdown passes, that's ninth all-time behind some really good names like Big Ben, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning. Like the, the guys that Matt Ryan is alongside in the all-time record list is like, these guys are Hall of Fame quarterbacks. I mean, it's pretty, I don't want to like disrespect Matt Ryan. And it's kind of cool to see him go some, like I said, to go to a new team where he actually has an opportunity to do well and win games at the end of his career is something that I, I'm hallelujah manna from heaven. I'm so glad to see that because it was really frustrating. Like two years in a row now, I've been like Matt Ryan's just wasting time in a bad situation in Atlanta where they're not going anywhere anytime soon. So, and look, he took the best team Atlanta ever had 
to a Super Bowl. And you can't really ask much more from your quarterback than that, that when you give them a great team, they play really well. He won the MVP. They had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. We don't need to tell you what happened. They did lose that Super Bowl. But he's a really good quarterback. So I'm not... It's, I feel very weird here because on one hand, awesome, they finally solved their problem. But I, I wish he wasn't 37 this fall. I wish he had more years and I felt like he could be their long-term solution. And it feels like, um, like great, you're putting duct tape over a problem that really just needs a new long-term piece. And uh, I, I say all the time, like duct tape quarterbacks mean that when you have a, a problem that you need to really solve – if your pipe bursts in your house and you put duct tape over it, it works for maybe a little bit or like flex seal or something, right? We're like, oh, we, we can fix the pipe for a little bit. But after a while, it doesn't work long term and you got to just replace the pipe. I don't know that Matt Ryan isn't someone they're going to have to replace in two years. And then you're back to square one again. And, and the reality is if you make a couple moves you need to make, you draft a left tackle, you draft a receiver, Three years from now, when this team is really ready to make a long run, that Ryan might not be good anymore. <laughs> so I'm like, I just, cool, but I'm hesitant, and we'll see how it works out. And I, uh, I look, I guess, here's the thing. Matt Ryan's better than nothing. So I'm, at least the Colts have a plan now at quarterback, and uh, it's certainly, it could be much worse. It, it could be more exciting, too, though. And I, I'm kind of like, well, we'll see. I, I don't know. We'll see what happens here. Let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation. They traded quarterback Matt Ryan to the Colts. They got a third-round pick for him. Atlanta has a dead cap hit of over $40 million uh, for Matt Ryan in 2022. That's the most ever in NFL history. It's unreal how much money they're paying Matt Ryan to not be on their football team. Uh, it feels like a couple things here. Atlanta wanted to reset their quarterback position. They're like, we're a rebuilding football team. A 37-year-old Matt Ryan just doesn't help us at all. And they got what they could for him, a third-round pick. Uh, they also got rid of his salary for next, you know, 2023. That's the Colts' problem, not our problem. They also kind of did Matt Ryan a solid in a weird, honorable way. They're like, we're going to send Matt Ryan to a team that is decent, where he has a shot to win some games, probably better than we have here in Atlanta. And actually, despite the cost, trading Matt Ryan still did save Atlanta money. They, they saved $9 million for this year, uh, and they used it to get a new quarterback. What they did was they signed quarterback Marcus Mariota to a two-year $18.75 million deal, just over $9 million a year. Now, Marcus Mariota is a guy I love. Uh, Marcus Mariota is he was a Heisman Trophy winner in college. He was a first-round pick by the Tennessee Titans. He spent five years there in Tennessee. He lost his job ultimately to Ryan Tannehill, and the last two years, he's been the backup in Vegas behind Derek Carr. Now, Marcus Mariota is definitely intriguing, where he's been a franchise quarterback, and he failed, but he probably has learned a lot since then, and um, this is a big opportunity for Marcus, where I, I could see a potential where he does play well and becomes their franchise quarterback long-term in Atlanta. Now, it does feel a bit like he's being set up to fail. Like, they have, they have no receivers in Atlanta. It's, it's, it's very bleak at the receiver position. Calvin Ridley is suspended for the year. And after him, they got really nothing going on exciting in Atlanta. Um, they do have Cordarrelle Patterson, uh, who's like a running back receiver hybrid. They put him all over the field. Um, tight end Kyle Pitts is outstanding. He'll probably be Marcus Mariota's favorite target, undoubtedly. 
They also have a developing offensive line that seems to be getting better. Um, he's also familiar with the Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith's system and uh, offensive system from Tennessee. So uh, we'll see how it goes for Marcus Mariota. I expect Atlanta is going to still draft a quarterback. Um, a two-year, $18 million deal is not exactly a contract from Mariota that tells me that Atlanta has a ton of confidence in the guy. They're kind of like, oh, we'll see. We're not going to give you a very risky contract. We'll see what happens. Remember, Atlanta has the number eight overall pick. And if the quarterback out of Liberty, Liberty Malik Willis, is available there, his potential is a, a quarterback like a, a Justin Herbert, a Josh Allen, a – I mean, physically what he can do is just a step above – all the other quarterbacks in this draft class. And is he a finished product? Oh, no. No, he's not. But neither was Josh Allen. Neither was Justin Herbert. Neither was Trey Lance. Like, you take a guy like Malik Willis and give him really good coaching, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because his skill set is incredible. And I, I think if Malik Willis is there, number eight overall, Atlanta takes him. They're just going to draft him and, and you know, let him sit, learn, and when he's ready, he'll become the guy there and uh, that is very exciting. I really want Malik Willis to go to Atlanta, actually. That would be really cool to see. Now, Carolina could take him number six overall. And if that happens, I think they end up drafting a quarterback probably in the second or third round, someone like Sam Howell, Matt Corral, something like that. Uh, so I don't know that Atlanta is all in and fully committed to Marcus Mariota, given the money they gave him. Um, but I will say, like, on a personal note, I am I'm very much rooting for Marcus Mariota. I grew up in Oregon where he played college football, I actually ran the Ducks' offense. Like, when I would learn how to run my offense in high school, we watched Marcus Mariota film constantly because they ran the same concepts we did. And I live in Hawaii. Dude, I, when I turn on the TV and watch sports, you know what I see all the time? Marcus Mariota, because he's in all these local commercials everywhere. You know, island insurance, stuff like that. I mean, I like the guy. I'm really rooting for Marcus Mariota, and I want to see him do well. I hope he does well. I hope he becomes their franchise quarterback. I don't know that's going to happen. I, I wish he was on a team. I would so love to see Marcus Mariota go somewhere where they had a really good team around him. We're not getting that. We're getting a guy going to a team that has a lot of questions and a lot of problems. And I don't know that Marcus is being set up to succeed. And that might hurt him. And he might not work out. And it might not even fully be his fault. And that, that is very unfortunate. But, man, I'm excited to watch the guy get a shot, and I think he's a duct tape quarterback that eventually they replace. But, man, we'll see how he does, and I've got a very open mind, and I'm hopeful for the guy. I just He's such a good person. Like, I don't know how anyone can hate Marcus Mariota. He's an awesome dude, easy to root for, and, uh, oh, man, I really want to see him do well. Uh, now, the New Orleans Saints— the New Orleans Saints gave quarterback Jameis Winston a two-year, $28 million contract. That is $21 million guaranteed. He's coming off of a torn ACL. I thought he actually played pretty well until he hurt his knee last year. Like, I, I, I don't Jameis Winston has potential here. I'm like, okay, like, uh, I like it. it. It could be worse, could be better. I see Jameis Winston having a career similar to... Ryan Tannehill, actually. But Ryan Tannehill was drafted by Miami to be their franchise quarterback. It didn't work out. He got traded and moved to, um, I think he signed as a, however Ryan Tannehill ended up in Tennessee, whether it was a free agent signing or a trade, I don't remember. 
he ended up in Tennessee and became their starting quarterback a little bit later in his career and has been solid. I think Jameis Winston is the same thing. Drafted by Tampa, didn't work out there, ends up in New Orleans, becomes later in his career a starting quarterback there, and I think he's fine. I don't think he's amazing. I think he's better than people give him credit for. He's had bad moments in his career, but he's getting better. And you, you kind of forget that quarterbacks aren't stagnant, right? Like you can get better as your career goes on. And uh, what happened here is that the Saints didn't get Deshaun Watson. Then the Matt Ryan move happened and Marcus Mariota went to Atlanta and New Orleans realized like no more screwing around. We have to figure out our quarterback solution right now. We have to get a quarterback for next year. Jameis is solid, probably the best option out there. Um, I, I think, really, the Saints are the second-best team in the NFC South. I mean, it's Tampa, then New Orleans, and then whatever's going to happen between the terrible teams in Atlanta and Carolina. So I, I like New Orleans. They got a good defense. They run the ball well. They got a good offensive line. Running back, Alvin Kamara is a stud. I, I actually don't think New Orleans is in a terrible position here. And to only pay your quarterback $14 million a year, pretty good deal. So I— I got an open mind here. I really think that um, here's the thing, like these three moves in recent days, Matt Ryan to Indy, Marcus Mariota to the Falcons, Jameis to New Orleans. These aren't, these aren't moves that make me go, wow, starting quarterbacks, superstars, long-term plan. Like these are guys who are fine, who are better than they could be. And they're, they're, they're duct tape quarterbacks, right? Like we'll see what happens. Uh, We'll see if Jameis Winston, how long he lasts there, but I think for now it's a, it's a solid deal, and um, I, I think the question is, do New Orleans, are they going to draft a quarterback this year? Are they going to draft a Sam Howell, a Matt Corral, uh, a guy late in the first round or in the second round, something like that? I don't know that they do. I don't know that anyone they can get in the first couple rounds of the draft is actually better than Jameis Winston. I think New Orleans' best bet is just to keep building their team around Jameis and um, – yeah, you figure out your quarterback position later if Jameis doesn't work out. But I, how old is Jameis Winston? Let me figure this out because that's important to this conversation because I think he's fine. And I think he's actually got a future. Jameis Winston age, he's probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, yeah, he's 28 years old. When is, when is his birthday though? He's 28, birthday in January. So yeah, he's a 28-year-old quarterback, the right side of 30, um, and like got years left of his career. He's got a huge arm. I don't, I think Jameis is the guy in New Orleans for a while. And uh they gave him a two-year contract. It's not like they're all in, but they, they're, re- they're willing to see what he can do. And I think he's fine for a while, and I, um, I don't think they draft a quarterback. I don't think they should draft a quarterback. I think you keep building around Jameis, draft players you need on your team. You need some receivers. You need some other stuff on your roster. And uh, I, I really think the Saints should commit to Jameis Winston. Give him this year. See how it goes. Uh, and then... If it goes as well as I think it will, where they, they're second in their division, they're solid, they're competing, they may not make the playoffs, it's, it's, but it's if they're close and they're fine, I think you stick with Jameis and keep building your roster around him. And uh, that's my take on the Saints quarterback situation. Okay, uh, we got to have this conversation. Let me check. I want to make sure that, like, <laughs> news didn't break right now. So, um Baker Mayfield, has he been traded yet? I don't think so. Uh, but I, I, I would hate to record this and then find out that, hey, you know, right as you were talking, bam, got traded to Seattle. I'm like, dang it. So, no, we're still waiting. Um, <laughs> it's getting awkward for Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. Uh, Cleveland traded for quarterback Deshaun Watson. 
they replaced Baker Mayfield, their former number one overall pick. Uh, Baker, by the way, he demanded a trade, and then they traded for Deshaun Watson. Like, they, they just didn't even listen to Baker. They don't care at all. They, I'm sure they laughed at him. And he's like, I want to trade! They're like, shut up, little dog. Like, he's like a little yappy puppy. Maybe, I don't know. Baker's available. And the Browns are not asking for very much. From what I hear, it's not like the Browns are like, Baker, we demand a first-round pick if you want Baker Mayfield. No, no, no. They're like, we just want this guy off our roster. Like, give us whatever you, you're offering. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to trades and make it happen. But nobody wants him. Nobody wants Baker. That's brutal. It's one of the worst. I mean, I thought it was bad in his career. Um, I, I thought there were bad moments throughout his career, but this is definitely the lowest point of Baker Mayfield's career to this point. And it's weird because he's not an obvious bust. He's not Jamarcus Russell. He's not Josh Rosen. Like, he's done some good stuff. He's had some solid years in the NFL, won a playoff game. Like, it's a very weird position for Baker Mayfield and, and the way the NFL teams view him. When, with him openly available, like, clearly Cleveland wanted to move him. Even after that happened, Indy made a move to go get Matt Ryan. Atlanta ignored that Baker was available. They got Marcus Mariota. The Saints signed Jameis Winston. They gave him a contract. So I think there's no way the Browns are going to have Baker Mayfield on the roster come this fall when training camp happens. I think Baker is a guy that, man, I would not want to compete against him in a quarterback position. I think he would be cutting kind of rude. Uh, I think he's insecure and, and really hard to compete against just with the way he treats people. Uh, if, if, I'm sure he's great unless you're his direct threat. And then he's like probably not, not very great to his people who feel threatening to him. I don't get a sense that Baker's very welcoming to them. And so is he going to get along with Deshaun Watson? No, absolutely no way. He's out. They got to get rid of Baker Mayfield. And they might end up having to cut him to get him off their roster there's only two teams out there in the NFL right now, by the way, that might even want him. Seattle has Drew Locke at quarterback. There's no way that's... I, I don't feel great about that. Uh, Carolina has Sam Darnold. Um, do they really want Baker? I don't know. Baker's a former number one overall pick. He's 26 years old, 27 April. I think 16th is his birthday. And he was bad last year. Baker was bad. Um, And everyone talks about, oh, Baker was injured. Baker didn't play well because he was hurt. Here's the thing. If you're too hurt to play well, don't play. If Baker played hurt and that's why he played badly, then he ruined his career, frankly. Like, because what's the narrative today if Baker got hurt last year and didn't play at all? We'd be saying, oh, the Browns gave up on Baker. You know, Baker had a good year two years ago, won a playoff game, and he got hurt and his team just quit on him. That's what we would be saying today. But because he played through an injury and played badly, oh, Baker sucks. Like, that's the narrative today. Also, I know he hurt his shoulder on his non-throwing arm, and I'll tell you what, even even, that would—it's not like you don't need your left shoulder to throw— if you're a right-handed quarterback, like the way you, everything, it goes through your shoulders. It's really important. I I can't imagine tearing my labrum on even my non-throwing shoulder and still throwing a football. That'd be brutal. But here's the thing about all of it. Even the injury excuse, which I hear you, I get it. And then my rebuttal would be, well, he shouldn't have played then if it really affected how he played. However, the problem wasn't only that Baker physically didn't look very good. He made terrible decisions. He was bad with the football. And I'm sorry, but your left shoulder isn't your brain. 
And unless Baker Mayfield had a brain injury last year, <laughs> uh, he was bad with the football, like deciding where to throw it, reading defenses, making terrible decisions. And that's just bad quarterback play, no matter what happens with your left shoulder. So I don't know, man. Uh, also, unfortunately for Baker, he's viewed as a volatile personality. People look at the Browns locker room and say, hey, Baker hurt their locker room. He didn't work with Odell Beckham Jr., who very much went to L.A. and had a great time and worked very well. Then demanding a trade wasn't a great look. I was fine when Baker put out a statement saying, hey, these are uncertain times. Thank you to Cleveland. That was fine to me. A lot of people said it was childish. I'm like, oh, like he's just acknowledging that he doesn't know what's going to happen. But then demanding a trade seemed a little bit childish. And Baker, his biggest problem, in my opinion— is when you look at Baker Mayfield, he doesn't have an inner peace about who he is and about his place in the world. You know, a lot of, I think of, um, uh, great, Idris Elba, the actor, right? He comes across as very suave, confident, cool, comfortable. Like he knows who he is. He knows his place in life. He's unbothered. Baker Mayfield is eager. He's more like a angry bulldog than a, a peaceful, calm, cool, comfortable person. And that, that's a big problem, I think, for your quarterback to be, like, constantly eager. And if you criticize him or threaten him, like, ah, rah, 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 he just starts barking and, you know, get ready, getting ready to fight. Like, th- there's a lack of peace there with Baker that is a big problem. And teams are nervous to take a risk on him. So, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm very curious to see what the rest of his career will look like. I've got an open mind. But in the next few months, the next few weeks, uh, years even what's going to happen to Baker Mayfield a former number one overall pick who not the tallest not the fastest has a decent arm actually like arm strength wise like he's not horribly physically he's not ungifted completely but Baker certainly isn't Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Trey Lance or um all these young incredibly physically gifted quarterbacks and so that's going to hurt Baker. He's viewed kind of like a, a Case Keenum-level quarterback, which teams aren't lining up to make Case Keenum their franchise quarterback, and you add the lack of massive physical ability. Um, he hasn't played great recently. They're worried about his personality. Like, There's a lot of reasons to avoid Baker Mayfield, and I, I think he'll go somewhere eventually. God, how, how sad would it be if the guy had to go to like the XFL to get playing time? That, that's insane to think about. But look, the Seahawks, the Seahawks, the Seattle Seahawks are giving him a hard look, I'm sure, and trying to decide, does he really fit with us? And I think what's going to happen, my belief at this point is Baker's going to get released and cut by the Cleveland Browns. Could be a couple months from now. No one's going to trade for him. The market's very low. And I think he gets released and then he can go meet with Seattle, talk to them, get to know their staff. They can decide if they want to trade for him. Um... I think we could see a similar situation in Carolina. Does Carolina want to try to make another quarterback work when they couldn't make Sam Darnold work? How does Sam Darnold and Baker work together in the same locker room? Do they get along? Baker's much more um, yappy and loud and kind of dominant. Does that clash with Sam Darnold? I don't know. It's a weird situation, and... um, Unfortunately, the longer it takes for Baker to get moved, the more and more awkward it gets because it's clear nobody really wants the guy. And I, I, 
I'm surprised that Indianapolis didn't say, like, we'll give you a, a sixth-round pick for Baker Mayfield. Like, we'll give you something small to see if we can work. Because Baker is literally over 10 years younger than – maybe it's exactly 10 years, something like that. Like, Baker's 26. Matt Ryan is 36 years old. They're both going to be 27 and 37 come this fall. So, I, man, I'm, I'm surprised Indianapolis wanted Matt Ryan – instead of Baker Mayfield, given that Baker Mayfield has potential to be your long-term quarterback and Matt Ryan is good for like this year or next year. And we'll see in three years if he can still play. So that's surprising to me, actually. I I thought Baker was an obvious move to Indy, but they didn't want him and nobody seems to want him. And it's the the worst and lowest and darkest point of Baker Mayfield's career. Now, here's one way it could work out to help him, by the way. I've said before that Baker Mayfield, I think, got to the NFL and had a motivation problem, meaning that, and not like he wasn't motivated, but meaning that, so I'll tell you a personal story from my life. I had a coach my sophomore year of high school tell me I was too small and I'd never play quarterback in college. So I transferred schools. I said, F you, I'm out. I'm going to go somewhere else. And I went to another college, another high school, excuse me. I broke all of their records at a better high school that wins a lot more games. We made the playoffs two years in a row. My former team went like literally 0-11 or 0-12 or something horrible. It was pretty fun to watch, by the way. Watch them be awful and us winning playoff games and shredding other defenses. And I got to college. I made a college football team. And that was like a big moment in my life. I'm like, ah, I overcame adversity. I made it. I proved that coach wrong. And for two years, there was this fire in my belly, this anger, this intensity. And when I got to college, I had already achieved my goal. And I, and then I I flamed out. I I literally was like, well, now what? (laughs) I I worked my whole life to get here. And for two years, I've been just going, going, going. And I, I proved that guy wrong. And now I have nothing else to motivate me. And the end of my journey was only the beginning of what it should have been, if that makes sense. It should have been the beginning of my journey in college, and I thought it, I viewed it as like the final destination. So Baker Mayfield, his whole life, has seen himself as an underdog. I think similar to the way I did in, in high school. He had to walk on to two colleges. Uh, people call them too short, not good enough. And then he won the Heisman Trophy. Then he became the number one overall pick. And the story he would tell himself along the way is, I'm an underdog, nobody wants him. It's hard to tell yourself you're an underdog when you are a number one overall pick who won the Heisman Trophy. I'm sorry, buddy, but nobody views you as an underdog anymore. You're kind of the guy people are believing in to make it work. So I think the story Baker's told himself for a while hasn't been aligned with the reality of a situation. I'll tell you what, he's an underdog now. Nobody wants Baker. Baker's got a long mountain to climb ahead of him if he ever wants to be a franchise quarterback again in the NFL. I think finally, whether it's a self-fulfilling prophecy or not, the story Baker Mayfield, I think, tells himself that he's an underdog, that nobody wants him. It's finally true again. (laughs) And he seems to thrive in that situation. So in a weird, weird way, we'll see how things work out. I would not be shocked if five years from now we find out that Baker Mayfield being unwanted was actually the best thing that ever happened to him. It lights a new fire under his belly. It helps him rededicate to football. It helps him make a lot of changes in his personal life and do his personality and reevaluate how he views himself in the world. And there's a, there's a, an outcome here in the world of infinite possibilities and alternate dimensions and timelines and stuff, which I love to think about what could happen versus what will happen. There is an outcome here on some timeline somewhere 
where Baker Mayfield goes to a Seattle or a Carolina or somewhere. We don't know. Maybe somebody gets hurt midseason, and then he becomes the starting quarterback of another football team, replacing a guy who is injured. And then he becomes like, how about Tennessee? Could Baker Mayfield go to Tennessee and eventually take Ryan Tannehill's job? Like That's not out of the realm of possibility. And so there is a timeline somewhere where this is the best thing that ever happened to Baker Mayfield. And that is a very fun, intriguing, interesting thought. So I just am so fascinated. What is going to happen to Baker Mayfield? I don't know. I really have no idea. But I'm very curious, and I'm going to definitely keep watching what happens. And we'll see if and when a trade happens anytime soon. All right. Um, dude, there's so much going on in the NFL. It's, <laughs> it's the best time of life. I'm so happy. It's so much fun to cover this stuff. Um, there are a few teams that I believe will or at least could draft a quarterback in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. Like, look, if you're Buffalo, if you're Denver, if you are the Chargers in L.A., you don't need a quarterback. You're not drafting a quarterback anytime soon. And there's not a ton of first-round quarterbacks out there, in my opinion. I think it's really only Malik Willis and maybe Kenny Pickett. But there are some interesting guys out there who could be drafted in the second or third round. You know, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, guys who I think in the right situation could become a franchise quarterback. If they have time to develop, like, they could be pretty good. Remember, Russell Wilson was a third-round pick. In that same draft class, Kirk Cousins, a guy who's been a starting quarterback for a long time, made a ton of money, was a fourth-round pick. Derek Carr was drafted in the second round. I think of uh, Andy Dalton, not a legendary quarterback, but definitely Andy Dalton, starting quarterback for a while in the NFL, second-round pick. Like, there, you can find a quarterback who can play after the first round. Historically, the obvious one, I don't even like bringing this up because it's, it's not even, like, comparable to anybody, but Tom Brady, formerly a sixth-round pick, like, it can happen. And uh, I just really think uh, someone like Sam Howell in the right spot, for example— Feels like he could be a franchise quarterback. I love the idea of Sam Howell getting drafted by the Detroit Lions in the second round. And then we're like, hey, Jared Goff, if he starts sucking, new, next guy up, and Sam Howell could be solid. So I believe that, number one, the Atlanta Falcons are a team that is going to draft a quarterback. Marcus Mariota, they gave him a small two-year $18 million deal. Now, I'd love over $19 million a year to play quarterback in the NFL, but for a starting quarterback, that's nothing. That's not franchise quarterback money. It doesn't tell me that Atlanta is fully committed to Marcus Mariota. Number eight overall is their draft pick. And if Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, is available, I think Atlanta pulls the trigger and drafts Malik Willis. They're like, hey, you can sit behind Marcus till you're ready, and then we are going to be rolling full steam ahead with Malik Willis long term. Now, if... Malik Willis is gone, number eight overall. Say Carolina makes a move and drafts him, or Pittsburgh, for example, maybe moves up in the draft to take him. I think it's likely that Atlanta will draft a second-round pick at quarterback because they need someone to develop under Marcus Mariota, and I'm just not convinced that Atlanta believes in Marcus Mariota long-term. Similarly, the Pittsburgh Steelers gave Mitchell Trubisky a small contract. They've got the 20th overall pick. I know they love Malik Willis. He'll probably be gone by 20th overall, but they may be trade up. We'll see what happens. I'm not at all convinced that Pittsburgh is all in on Trubisky. They will likely draft a quarterback in the first, second, or third round of this upcoming NFL draft. Uh, the Lions, they got the number two overall pick. 
I think they're going to spend it on the best player they can. I think you pick a non-quarterback number two overall. You got a solid quarterback, Jared Goff, who's not awful, and he can win with help. So I think you, you keep building your roster. But come that second round, that third round, Matt Corral, Sam Howell to Detroit, makes a lot of sense to me. I could see that happening. Tennessee is a similar story. Tennessee is one that no one's really talking about, but I think they're in the quarterback market way more than people realize. I would love to see Tennessee trade for Baker Mayfield. I think that would be fascinating. Uh, but Ryan Tannehill is not the answer forever in Tennessee. I see them drafting a quarterback in the second round. I, I think that would happen as well. Um, the Panthers' best quarterback on their roster is Sam Darnold. Do you, do you trust Sam Darnold? I don't. I want to. I'd like to. But I don't think Sam Darnold's it. Could end up with Baker Mayfield, I guess, but I think, I think Carolina is a team that could draft a quarterback in the first, second, or third round. More likely, I think, the second or third round, but we'll see. Seattle has Drew Locke. Uh, I think they could draft him. Some competition for sure. Sam Howell, Matt Corral. Like, these names are out there, and I'm like, um, Desmond Ritter is another one. Like I, They're going to get drafted at some point, and these are the teams that could pick them. Now, the Colts, the Giants, and the Saints are teams to watch that I'm like, let's well, see what happens. Indianapolis' quarterback, Matt Ryan, he's 37 years old. And uh, they've got a second and third round pick from Washington from that Commander Carson trade. I think really they need an offensive lineman and a receiver. I think they use their draft picks to help build their team around Matt Ryan. I would be shocked, actually, if Indianapolis drafted a quarterback early in this year's NFL draft because Matt Ryan is their guy this year, and they have bigger needs, and they have few draft picks. I think they're going to use their picks to help their team rather than try to make a move that um, doesn't help them immediately day one next year. The Giants have Tyrod Taylor and Daniel Jones. I think they need to invest in the quarterbacks they already have. Daniel Jones is talented. I'd love to see him in Brian Dable's offense. Tyrod Taylor, if it's not Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor, I feel pretty good about. Uh, I, I don't think they need to get a new quarterback in New York. I think that would be very redundant and weird at this point. Just build with what you have. And then New Orleans, the Saints, they are a team that they've got Jameis Winston at quarterback. I don't think they can find anybody better in the second or third round of this year's NFL draft. But they gave him a, and look, they gave him a bigger two-year deal, a deal that Compare what Marcus Mariota is making to Jameis Winston. A little more money. Feels like there's a little more confidence there. Much more than Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, I think Jameis is the guy for now. They've got a good um, they've got a good deal going right now where they got a, a kind of a bargain at quarterback with Jameis Winston. And I think what they're going to do and should do is focus on drafting Jameis' help to build around him and so help them win. Um, but these are the conversations happening, and these are the teams that I think could make a move to draft a quarterback in the first, second, or third round. Okay, we got a sad story we got to talk about. This is a very sad story. This is one that uh, breaks my heart a little bit. I want to keep track of how it works out. Michigan linebacker David Ojabo tore his Achilles during his pro day. Heartbreaking. It's sad. It's also pretty brutal. They just kind of move on. Like, I get it. It's a business, but they just move on and start doing drills while he's off to the side, like in agonizing pain. Now, it's a huge blow to David Ojabo's career. He was the number one. He's a linebacker, uh, outside linebacker. He was a number one player at his position in this draft by many people's rankings. And he's going to fall in the draft. And what that means is that 
he's going to be great value to someone in the second or third round. He's a first round talent who's probably going to be like a third round pick. And there are a couple other examples recently of guys that have fallen in the draft and been much better than where they were picked. I mean, Joe Mixon who was drafted in the second round. Uh, Browns linebacker Jeremiah Owusu-Koromo was drafted in the second round after there was kind of a health scare there. So I'm rooting for David Ojabo. I, I think, man, he's got a future. I think he will succeed. I think a team like, man, Indianapolis, the Colts love drafting players who are tremendous value. I can see them drafting him in like, if they have a fourth round pick, that would make sense to me. Um, I, I'm really interested to see what happens, but I am not that hopeful. Now, I look at what David Ojabo did this last year in college. Played in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games, uh, 35 tackles, 11 sacks. Interesting player. And I think a guy who, again, first-round talent could fall later in the draft. And I'm just very interested to see. I think it'll be really fun to revisit this story in a couple of years to see, hey, did that David Ojabo guy work out? He was really talented, and he got hurt. Did he bounce back and make it? Because I heartbreaking to see a guy lose as much money as he just lost by tearing his Achilles during this pro day. And, uh, man, I, I so hope he gets to a second contract in the NFL, can get a big payday, can play really well. I would love to see that. I'm always rooting for guys like that. And uh, keep your eye on what happens to Michigan linebacker David Ojabo. By the way, keep your eyes on the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL draft. They've got three First round picks. They've got the 15th pick, the 16th pick, and the 19th overall pick in this year's NFL draft. I am very excited to see what the Philadelphia Eagles do. They've got a great opportunity here to really build their roster with a couple meaty mid first round picks and uh, really invest in their offense and invest in their young quarterback, Jalen Hurts. And I, oh boy, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really fascinated to see like how much better can Philly get during this year's NFL draft. Okay, uh, the final topic of the day today, I want to talk about the two most hopeless teams in the NFL. There are two teams that, when I look at their scenario and their situation, much more than anyone else, there are some bad teams in the NFL, like the Jets are bad. Um, But the Jets have Zach Wilson, a quarterback who I think is way too young to give up on. Uh, The Lions are building a culture. I love their head coach. Uh, Campbell, I love, I, I don't love Jared Goff, but Jared Goff's, I think, better than people give him credit for. He's not horrible. Uh, Washington, you can argue, has at least hope because Washington has Carson Wentz, and there's potential there for him to be really good. Uh, the Jaguars have hope. They've added a bunch of new players, a new coach. They got Trevor Lawrence. Um, even, the, like, the Saints, they got Jameis Winston. Um, the Chicago Bears have Justin Fields. Like, almost every team in the NFL, even if they're bad, you go, hey, they might not be very good. But you can at least see a roadmap and a potential path where they could work out and be really good. Like, again, the Jets are terrible. But the Jets have Zach Wilson, who I think is talented and had a rough rookie year but could bounce back. The Falcons, Marcus Mariota could work. There's all these teams out there that are bad football teams, like I said. But they got a shot here. Houston, they got a bunch of draft picks in Davis Mills. Now, the two teams in the NFL that I look at them and I, I don't feel hopeful. I, you know, I don't feel a sense of, hey, you know what? These two teams might be bad, but at least they got X working for them. I'm like, nah, even these two teams don't even have that. There's nothing I feel good about with the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. The, the Panthers are, 
man, it's disappointing. You know, <laughs> I, I was so excited when they hired Matt Rule, a guy who turned around Temple University, turned around Baylor, college coach uh, who I thought could work in the NFL. He hired some good people. Uh, Jill Brady was awesome. They made a move for Sam Darnold. I'm like, hey, let's see how this goes. This could be awesome. Teddy Bridgewater didn't work at quarterback. Sam Darnold was awful last year. They fired Jill Brady. Now they're in a bad spot, and I don't, I don't know how you feel good about the Carolina Panthers today, where you're like, oh, yeah, there's potential. There's hope. With what? It's, it's rough out there. There's not a lot of potential. There's not a lot of excitement to be garnered in Carolina. I feel similar about the Seattle Seahawks. They are the two worst and most hopeless teams in the entire NFL. You know who Seattle's quarterback, on the, the best quarterback on the roster is right now? It's Drew Locke, who at times in Denver looked immature, unprepared, and just not a professional. He's their quarterback number one so far in Seattle. Oh, and by the way, they were already a bad football team. They were a bad football team who lost their quarterback, Russell Wilson, and then got even worse. (laughs) Oh, boy. I don't know how you feel good in Seattle. They're rebuilding with the oldest coach in the NFL. Pete Carroll is 70 years old. How does it feel to be rebuilding with a guy who is the oldest guy in the league? I can't feel good to me. It's not college. Like in college, you see guys last till they're uh, rickety and old. Like I don't think I, compare Pete Carroll. I love Pete Carroll. I worry the, the game has changed and we're seeing these new wave coaches. Mike McDaniels, um, Brandon Staley, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. And Pete Carroll had his time. He's been getting his butt kicked by the Shanahan's and McVeigh's of the world recently. So I'm just, I'm just calling it out now. Today, Seattle and Carolina are the most bleak, worst organizations in the NFL. Where I, I don't see an outcome where they're like, going to work out. I think they're probably going to be, they could be the number one and number two pick next year in the NFL draft. And I'm calling it now. These organizations are in bad shape. And like I said, look, almost every team in the NFL, even if they're bad, you can make an argument. Well, you know, the Bears got a new coach. They got a young quarterback, a new GM. Like, you can make an argument where it works out well for almost every bad team in the NFL, but not Seattle, but not Carolina. I don't have a lot of faith. I have no confidence. And I'm very worried for the future of the Seattle Seahawks and the Carolina Panthers. Guys, I love you. We made it an hour. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Thank you so very much for tuning in. Thank you for making me part of your day. Hope you have a great one. And uh, ba-dum-bum-bam, we are done. I missed. I missed it this time.